All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another back-to-back episode of Dropping the Gloves. We couldn't stay away, Tim. I couldn't. I was up all night watching me some playoff hockey, and you know what? There were some blowouts. There were some games that I thought were going to be tight, and there were some other games that I thought were just going to be a blowout, and I was wrong on all four of them. I thought the Oilers and Kings was going to be put to bed early, and then all of a sudden, it was not that case. The Wild and Blues, I thought, was going to be the most highly contested, hotly contested game. Not so. The Leafs Lightning, we were all excited for that matchup. It was a one-sided affair. The Bruins and Canes. Not good for the Bruins, Tim. Let's start there. How are you feeling? We were texting back and forth during the game. Some playful banter. I felt bad. I really did. You you put your hopes into something. You put your dreams, all your energy. It's like the rounders when he's playing Yakovox or whatever John Malkovich's player is. You All your hopes, poof, gone down Don't. the drain. Down the drain. Don't Let's you recap do that. the Bruins game, Tim. What happened to your Beantown Boston Bruins last night? Oh, boy. Don't, don't feel sad for me, John. I don't want your pity. I don't <laughs> want it. But it was, a, it was a tough night. But you know what? It started off really well. The Bruins were the better team, especially in the first half of the first period. And then, you know, it, it slowed down and quieted down a little bit the second half. But at the end of one, the Bruins were feeling really good about how that period went. And I was feeling good, and things were things were looking good, and then it all kind of slipped through our fingers rather quickly in the second. And it had those. I actually, I think I jinxed the team. I talked about how uh, Anti Ranta. He ended up playing a good game, but he looked shaky early on. The rebounds were coming out. The Bruins were bringing that pressure on him. Like we got to pepper the net. We got to get shots on this guy because he's he doesn't look great. And I think within five minutes of me sending that tweet, uh, the, the Hurricane scored. And then two minutes later, they scored again, both kind of shot from the point through traffic. One was deflected, one wasn't. Neither really I blame Allmark for, just a tough bounce. But 
Yeah, at that point, the game, the Hurricanes had control, and they never let it up. So it was a tough. Well, let's just Boston. go back to the Ranta because he's he's not their starter. Freddie Anderson's a starter. He's projected to be back potentially next game, definitely by game three. The best thing that could have happened with Anti Ranta is what happened last night. The Bruins came out flying. They were throwing everything at the net. They were up thirteen to four midway through the first period in shots. Thirteen to four. That's that's a big big margin there in, in a playoff game, and both teams are. You know, usually coming in, you're tight. You want to feel the, your opponent out. You're, you're not throwing everything at him right away. You just you ease into the series. The Bruins came in. They were flying. They were firing everything. They were fast to every puck. The Canes were, you know, a little hesitant. This is the best thing that possibly could have happened with Anti Ranta. He got to feel the puck. He got to get into the game. He got to get into his groove. Meanwhile, on the other end of the ice, Linus Olmark, first playoff action in his career, Maybe would have liked to have that kind of action. He's sitting there, you know, one minute, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes into the game. He's only faced four shots. End of the first period, I think he only had six shots against. So it's not like he's into the game yet. It's not like he's, you know, comfortable with the puck. He's not tracking it well. So I I know the shot disparity, it's well. The Bruins played well, but maybe, just maybe, that worked in the favor of Carolina a little bit where the Bruins threw everything they had them, still 0-0 going into the first period. If I'm the if I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, after one, I'm like, boys, we were terrible. This was our worst first period in a while. Guess what? It's 0-0. Let's go. Let's let's play the second. You know, we got a lot better. Let's pick things up. Second period, all the same pretty much the first 10 minutes. I think the Bruins played well. And then, like you said, four was it four or five minutes left in the second Seth Jarvis gets a nice redirection on Slava's shot. No chance, Allmark. But maybe, you know, maybe if he's in a better position, he could have saved it. But that's neither here nor there. I, I, I'm not going to fault him on that one. The 2 nothing goal. Maybe Allmark could have been better positioned. I'm not saying he could have. Maybe he could have been playing out a little bit more. There was lots of guys in his way. Niederreiter, Niederreiter fires one through. It's two rip in two minutes. That was it for the Bruins, in my opinion. That was it. They outplayed the Canes in two periods. They pick up two greasy goals at the end of the second period, and that's it. I was expecting more from the Bruins in the third period. Yes, they scored one early. Hall gets one. A great a great shot by Taylor Hall. I'm telling you what, that's a hard one-timer. Coming across the grain, Hall throws just a hope and a prayer pass in the middle. He one-times it, gets enough wood on it, and just finds its way through Ranta. That's a great shot. I'll give Taylor Hall that much. But after that, it's just like the wheels fell off. There was no press from the Bruins. There was no pushback. There was no added uh, energy after the 2-1 goal by Hall. Tara Vinen gets a goal by – what is Grizzly doing on that pinch? The 3-1 goal, if they had any chance of coming back, obviously they have to make a pushback. Mark Grizzly makes the worst pinch I've seen in a long time. No reason to pinch. The puck's coming around the boards. The Hurricanes play, Hurricane player is there. He's going to get there before Grizzly. You have to read your forwards. If, you, if you're Grizzly, his forwards are behind the plate. The Carolina players are up the zone. They're, they're flying in the zone. Gets it to Trochik. Trochik throws it across the Terravine and who just lasers a shot. Top, top, top shelf. It was a nice shot. Omar could not have saved that. 3-1. And then the goal everyone's going to be talking about. The goal that just put the cherry on the cake, 
the goal that we're going to go into Wednesday, questioning the goaltending status for the Boston Bruins, Vincent Trocek, a harmless looking play, Tim. This wheels into the zone. No business even shooting this puck. Flippantly throws a backhand from below the goal line, hits Olmark in the face, drops into the net, four to one. There's like two or three minutes left in the game. Ice is it. They get an empty netter a little bit later by Shvechnikov. A really un- unselfish play by Sebastian Ajo, by the way. But that four to one goal, that's just like the one that's going to be shown all across the pre plays. The Bruins talking heads are going to be talking about it. So looking back on this game, are there any positives the Bruins can take out of this game, Tim? After losing five to one in your first round match, uh, anything <laughs> at all? Well, that it's over, I guess. I mean, it, there's really not a ton. Taylor Hall did look good. He had that one timer goal. He, also, he had another rush where he hit the post. And that would have yeah. made it a two-two game if he had buried that. So they were in it for the first half of the game, and I think that's what they want to kind of lean into in game two. I think a bigger question is, is you know, I don't want to blame the game on Olmark. I don't think it was his fault, but that was some, a couple of ugly goals he let in. And we knew the leash was short on him anyway. Do we see Swayman start game two? Or if you do that, is Olmark's confidence completely shot? You try to give him a bounce back game. Uh, but again, you don't want to go home down to nothing. So I think this kind of turns into a must win game. What do you think? Just for pure momentum, I, I think you play Swayman. I think you have to. If this was a regular season, you would have played Swayman. I think you go to him just just because. You know, he's just as good as Allmark, and it, it sends a message to the players like we're not satisfied. We're going to switch things up where we can switch things up. A big thing for me is the opening faceoff. Carolina is the home team. Boston smits their lineup first. Boston comes out with, with their first line. Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque. Who is Carolina going to play? Are they going to go 1v1? Are they going to throw out their first line and say, you know what, we're going to roll them? Let's see who's better? No. They played their third line versus the Bruins' first line. Need a writer stalling fast. And for the most part, for most of this game, the Bruins' first line was invisible. And maybe that's, you know, overstating it a little bit. It wasn't, you know, the offensive output you need from your first line. There wasn't many grade A chances. There wasn't much sustained zone time. There wasn't much of anything, Tim. And if the Carolina Hurricanes can continue to get their matchups, and if they can match up Niederreiter, Stalin, Fast versus that first line, they're in for a long haul. Because if you're the Bruins, how do you handle Trocek's line? How do you handle Ajo's line? When you basically get your first line thrown away, that was a big one for me when I saw that because the other the other games we'll, we'll touch on that it, it was mostly one v one in the in the first uh, for the first lines. So the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes can just eliminate the Bruins' first line, their go to line, the line that carried them through the regular season, the line that they had to split up because they needed some offense on their second and third lines, the fact that they can just negate that first line with Niederreiter stalling fast is a big deal in this series, and we'll see how that kind of converts to the Bruins when they go back home to games three and four, if, if somehow they can get that line against away from that third line, but every line for Carolina is a pretty good defensive line. So it's, it's not good. If I'm looking ahead to game two for the Bruins, we played pretty good. All in all, we played pretty good. We outshot them 36, 25. Were those grade A chances? Maybe not, but still we carried the play for the first period. We carried the play for the majority of the second period. Seems like we ran out of the gas in the third a little bit. It, we, we didn't really have it. We didn't have that extra gear. You know, it's two to one. Let's go. Let's go. We didn't have it. I don't know for whatever reason. Maybe they were nervous. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they just threw it all out there in the first and second. 
if I'm the Bruins, I'm nervous. If I'm the Canes, I'm very happy. I'm like, well, we didn't play our best and we won five to one. This was going to be a cakewalk. So going into game two, yes, I think Swayman plays. I'm this this series could be over a lot faster than I think any of us ever expected because the Canes, the Canes are going to be better. And I don't know if the Bruins can get any better. The first line, yes, they'll adjust, but they have to make some serious adjustments if they, if they have to overcome four goals, Tim. Like that's a four goal differential, five to one game. It's not good for the Bruins. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that stall line. He's such a good center. I mean, I remember him being 20 years old, playing a shutdown third line, checking center with the Penguins. And he's been so good in this league for so long. And he's so good at matching a player like Bergeron. Because, you know, even though Carolina was 3-0 and in the series, the regular season series, a lot of it wasn't, you know, playing the matchup game. And when Bergeron and Iowa's line matched up, Bergeron's line dominated. That's what the stats count. So, they, you know, the Hurricanes knew that. They weren't going to let that happen. And, and it throws out the rest of the matchups. I also talked about how important the third line is going to be for the Bruins in terms of determining their playoff success. When you got the third line of the, of the Hurricane matching up, all of a sudden Bruins' third line matching up against the Ajo line or the Trocek line, and that's not going to work in their favor very often either. So it's really good coaching, good matchups by the Hurricanes. I want to be confident. I want to feel good about something in, in game two. And like I said, we don't want to go down 2 nothing. So I'm hoping we, we even this thing up. Yeah, you, you know, the, the series doesn't start until a home team loses a game that that's what i truly believe so what i told you that a year ago you were like oh what is that never heard that i love that well now i'm parroting it and that that's the truth i feel like yes carolina wins the first two they were supposed to win the first two the bruins have to go and hold court when they go to boston i don't think they will i think carolina is a very good team they obviously they're hungry they're very hungry tim they want to win all right anything else on this game you want to touch on i know it's it's a tough night for you it was a tough night for you. Anything else you want to no. talk about? Let's move on to another Eastern Conference matchup, the Leafs and the Lightning. I was excited for this. I was very excited. You know, I, in our points bet, I picked Toronto. I think they were going to come up flying, and rightfully so, they did. They came out absolutely on fire. And I'll tell you where Tampa Bay lost this game. It was in the first period. Kyle Clifford buries Ross Colton from behind. Absolutely dirty hit. He should be suspended two to three games. Unnecessary hit. He's following the play, backtracking. Colton's not even looking at him. He's facing up the ice. He's, his right shoulder's on the boards. His left shoulder's off. Everybody's probably seen it. Clifford, for whatever reason, finishes him. When the puck's gone, Colton's not even looking. He clearly sees his numbers, plasters him into the boards. Absolutely crushes him. Colton goes down. Refs look at it. Justifiably gives him a five-minute major in a game misconduct. Dirty play. Clifford shouldn't even be in the lineup. He's a he's a goon, Tim. He's a goon. I don't like him. I'm just kidding. But a terrible play by him. Stupid hit. No reason to make that hit. First period, everything's going hunky-dory. You put your team down five minutes. Little did Kyle know. Maybe he did this on purpose. Maybe he's smarter than all of us. He knew that Tampa Bay was going to go out and lay an egg in their five-minute power play, and this was going to be the one five-minute power play where the team killing the penalty gets more shots and grade A chances than the team who has the power play. Tampa Bay didn't get a shot on their whole five-minute power play until like 30 seconds left when Stamkos got a you know haphazard one-timer from almost the goal line. It was a terrible shot. Toronto was masterful in their penalty kill. And Tampa Bay's got a good power play. And they just totally shut him down. And so this five-minute stretch, Toronto got the momentum. Toronto got confident. Toronto got into the game. Mitch Marner 
has become a pretty good penalty killer. And don't look now. Toronto's got a pretty good PK for scoring goals. We'll touch on that in a minute because I was going to mention this yesterday, but I didn't want to jinx it. I was like, Toronto maybe cheats a little bit on the penalty kill. They scored the most shorthanded goals in the whole NHL with 13. Maybe this could be a detriment to them. I was thinking about it. I was like, ah, Tampa Bay is going to pick them apart. They know what Toronto does, but I didn't because I was just a little unsure. I thought maybe Tampa Bay's overconfidence will bite them in the bum. And it does a little bit down the road. So Toronto fills up, kills off this five minute power play. End of the first period, they get a one nothing lead, and then it was it was bedlam in Toronto. Did you see the reactions from the fans when Muzzin scored this seeing eye shot? It was absolutely insane. After that, it, it was Toronto's game. It was there was no way they could lose this. After one, did you watch this game, Tim? What did you think of the first period? I saw bits and pieces of it. I was watching the other game, but yeah, that Muzzin shot just kind of trickled through traffic, and all of a sudden it's one nothing, and the fans are going nuts, and that's a hard building to to come back in if you're down one nothing. And, you know, I, uh, the coach said it best, Cooper. He said, I think we did more to lose this game than, than t- Toronto did to win it. I was like, I don't think they had to do much in order for them to beat us tonight. And so, I, like we said, I thought that Toronto was going to win game one. Like, we knew they were going to come out strong. They got something to prove. I still don't think this is going to be – this is not indicative of how the rest of the series is going to go. Do you? I don't know. The last three games these guys have played each other, they've been so the, – the goal differentials, the swings have been so drastic. Tampa Bay beat them 8-1 to one the last time they played. Before that, Toronto, I think, beat them 6-2 to two or 7. Like, it, it's been a tale of just beatings from one team to the next. So, next game, Tampa Bay should beat them by five goals. That's the way it's been going. But I don't know. I really don't know. Let's just – we'll wrap it up. Second period, Matthews, five-on-three power play goal. It's – you know, in today's age in the NHL, it's it's hard to have a good power play. It's it's hard because it's a copycat league. There's so much video. You know what to do versus the team because you can sit there and watch a hundred replays of them doing what they do and how they score. So the fact that Toronto is able to be so successful on this five on three, I'm just like, how I don't know how it happens, but it, it worked to perfection. They get Tavares and Marner behind the goal line. And if you're killing the penalty, this is what I don't get. If you're Tampa Bay, you have two guys behind the goal line. I'm not a physicist. You can't score from behind the net that easy unless you know how to bend a puck. So why on earth, if you're the killers, don't you, you don't have to man up. You don't have to go and cover your point, but just get in three, three lanes. I know you want to have two guys hugging the post because they can't wrap it, but you can read. You can read if you're the guy playing the post. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna block that pass so he doesn't give a one-timer to, to Matthews because that's what they want. They want to go high to low, high to low, and then get Matthews coming down the pipe for a one-timer, and that's exactly what happened. They went cross-ice, Tavares to Marner, Tavares to Marner. Matthews winds it up, comes ripping down. Marner gives him a nice little feed. Matthews, he's going to score that eight out of ten times. The guy gets a one-timer from the dot. And he's leaning into it. He gets 60 goals for a reason. He's going to score that eight out of 10 times. So that's what happened. They convert their power play five on three. Tampa Bay goes on the power play. Victor Hedman gets a little confident. It's a bouncing puck to the blue line. He tries to block it with the skate, bouncies off of him. And Hedman's not going to win any speed races anytime. He's six foot seven and he's flat footed. He's got David Camp firing at him. David Camp out racing him to the puck, gets a shorthanded goal, three nothing leaves. Marner finally gets off the Schneid, scores. During the playoffs, hallelujah, Marner's on the board, 4 nothing Leafs. It's mayhem in Toronto. It's absolutely mayhem. 
I can't imagine how, how crazy it is right there. Third period starts, funny bounce. Matthews gets the five rip lead. Tampa Bay tries to muck it up and parry and them go after Wayne Simmons. It's it, whatever. That doesn't mean a thing, but boy, oh boy. What a game by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jack Campbell, not tested at all, in my opinion. I think his best save came with like three minutes left on a, on a Hagel shot from outside the hash marks. And it was just, you know, a can of corn. He just shot it right into his glove. It wasn't even that difficult of a save. So pretty easy shutout for Toronto. Jack Campbell, not bad. Not a bad start for the Leafs. Is, is this a four-rip sweep or is this – what happened to Tampa Bay to him? I think it's more likely that Tampa wins the next four games than Toronto wins the next three. I don't think there's, Ooh. I don't, yeah, I don't think either is going to happen, but there's no way that, that they sweep Tampa. But I don't know. Do you think, have you seen enough yet after game one to say this is the different Maple Leafs team? Or have we seen this before and you're kind of, you're, you're holding back there? Well, you know what? The, here's what I think that, that was shocking. And this goes for all the games for the most part. There were a lot of penalties being called. You know, usually the old mantra is the refs put the whistles away in the playoffs. You know, they, they let the boys play. There was penalties up and down this game. Like, I, I don't know the exact totals, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if they were pushing 100 minutes in penalties because there was a couple 10-minute misconducts. But there was, you know, five-minute majors. There was power plays here and there. I think Toronto had six power plays and Tampa Bay had five. That's including a five-minute power play. So, really, they had six and a half. That's a lot. I'm interested to see if this carries over to game two, three, and forward, because if it does, the advantage goes to Toronto. I feel like their penalty kill is lights out. Now Tampa Bay has a little taste of the danger that Toronto can inflict on them on the penalty kill. So maybe that forces their power play to be a little bit more conservative in Toronto. Their power play is unbelievable. Like they're one of the top power plays in the league. They know how to score and if this goes this way, if it's it's if it's a special team series, I think Toronto has the advantage. Tampa Bay needs to keep this five on five, keep rolling the lines. Like we said yesterday, I think their depth is an asset for them. I think they need to play Toronto five on five. But if the refs keep calling them at this pace, I, I think Toronto has a distinct advantage. But yeah, Tampa's going to have a pushback. Vasilevsky didn't play that great. You know, he he definitely can do better. Wouldn't surprise me if he comes out Wednesday and just posts a shutout. So. A lot of questions, but I'm not as nervous for the Lightning as I am for the Bruins because <laughs> the Bruins just stuck so bad. And then another thing, anytime the Leafs seem to get ahead in a series, anytime they get a little confident, anytime maybe they think it's going to be easier, it's like, oh, we got the Lightning's, Lightning's number. This is it. You know, We're finally going to slay this dragon. It comes back to bite them. It happened last year versus the Canadians. They were up three to one, I believe. Canadians came roaring back the year before that they were up they were up on the Jets Jets came back and won the next two the year before that same thing with the Bruins they were up versus the Bruins three to one I think the Bruins came around back and beat them four three can they overcome this can they not read the plus press clippings can they not stop patting each other on the back can they just put this game away and just play game two like it's zero zero that's what the good teams do can Toronto do that I don't know if history has anything to say, no, they can't. But I'm hoping that they can just move past this game, go into Wednesday and be like, you know what? Monday meant nothing. If we lose this game, we're in trouble. So I'm excited for game two. There definitely will be some adjustments from Tampa Bay, but good start for Toronto. I can't, I can't imagine any, any better start for Toronto. 
I can't really either. I just I just get nervous just because there's I don't know if there's any team that a lead is less safe against in this entire league than against Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? Like I even three nothing in the series, I just don't count them out. They're just so good and they've been here before. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think Tampa bounces back strong. Like I said, this is I think this is far from Toronto's series at this point. Totally agree. All right, let's go to the one upset last night. If there was any upsets, this was it. The Kings beat the Oilers, Tim. Upset City. I thought the Oilers would walk through this series. I thought there would be no chance. I, I didn't think they would be able to contain 97. And you're you're just you're doing the old ringing the finger, blowing on your nails. What do you just go gloat about this first game? What do you got to say about the Oilers Kings game one where the Kings squeak one out four to three? Yeah, good game. <laughs> I I was not as surprised huh. as you were, obviously. And I'm hoping that you're not gonna blame this on Mike Smith making that bonehead turnover for the for the fourth goal because I, I will not I will not allow that argument to happen. You knew that Smith is who he was. He's done this kind of thing before. This is the Oilers team. They're better than this. I think that they win some game, but I just don't think I don't see what you see when it comes to the Oilers. I just don't. So I am not surprised by this. I do think this game is going to go more than four. For the series will go more than four games, but I, this is this is nothing new to me. This is not a surprise. You know, uh, I say a lot about first shifts of the game. I, I mention it versus uh, Boston, Carolina. After the first shift of this game, I was nervous. I was very nervous. Edmonton loses the draw. They overextend themselves on the four check. And you give Alex Edler a partial breakaway on the first play of the game. The very first play of the game. I'm not talking midway through. I'm not talking off for rush. The first play of the game. And you give Alex Edler a partial breakaway. It's absolutely insane that that happens. And it was just downhill from there in my mind. I, I think Edmonton's defense got exposed. I was hopeful that they would be able to play better last night. They were terrible. Across the board, Duncan Keith had an okay game. He had a couple turnovers that I was scratching my head like, Dunks, what are we doing here? Across the board, they were bad. Russell was bad. Barry was bad. Nurse and CeCe were bad. Dunks was okay. They're not that good, John. What's that? They're not that good anyway. They're not, but I was expecting – L.A. doesn't have high-end forwards. They don't have a Connor McDavid that can dance through four guys like McDavid when he scored the second goal for the Kings or for the Oilers, excuse me, or the first goal. I'm, I'm uh, fired up right now. The, LA doesn't have that guy who can dance through everybody. So superstar, I was expecting them no. to be fine. What's that? They don't have superstars, but they have high end forward. They got a guy, a 35 goal scorer on their roster. They got Anze Kopitar in their roster. Like you're completely overlooking the forwards for this group. I'm not. If you're an NHL defenseman, you should be able to shut down 95% of the league, if not 98% of the league. They couldn't do that. Barry and Russell on the Kings' second goal, they literally looked at each other mid-play and, say, and, and said, where do we go? Where, where, where are we going? And it, the play started because Russell, for whatever reason, gets the puck behind the net and decides to half-ass rim it around the boards. If you're going to rim it around the boards, you rip it. And he's all the way in the opposite corner and does a little limp-wristed wrist shot around the boards, gets picked off by the Kings, 
shoved right back down behind the net where Moore picks it up. Mike Smith, what is he looking at? No idea. The puck comes back across the grain. Ayafalo scores to make it 2-0, while Russell and Barry are in front of the net talking to each other, saying, hey, Kurt, where should I be? Oh, hey, Tyson, I don't know. Where should I be? And they're so out to lunch. And it's 2-0 L.A., and I'm just sitting there scratching my head. Is this is this what we're doing this series? Is this what we're doing for game one of the NHL playoffs and you're the Edmonton Oilers and you have so many, so much pressure and expectations and you lay an absolute egg if you're these star defensemen for the Oilers? You Mind you, they make a lot of money. Tyson Berry and Kurt Russell. Is it Kurt Russell? I don't know if it's Kurt. They Chris. make a lot of money. Chris <laughs> Russell. Oh, I was just sick. Well, and then CC and Nurse do the same thing. Oh, drives me nuts. You, you got to give those guys a break. When you're going against a juggernaut offense like the Kings have, like those mistakes well, are bound to have, happen. Yeah, the juggernaut offense, when you let the other team – which line? The line of Iafalo, Dano, and Moore. When you let that superstar line ding you for three goals, yeah, it's expected. That line's just like a who's who of goal scores. They light it up. They've they've been they've been known throughout their whole career to let's blast teams. They are shut down defensive line, and they get and they get three goals. You crazy? Absolutely crazy. Stupid. It's so bad for the Oilers. It's so they had the last change. Still, Woodcroft threw McDavid at these guys every opportunity he could, and then Woodcroft at the end of the I love Woody. And he goes, oh, gosh, looking at the things. Uh, they had some guys who only played three minutes. It's because they're matching lines, Woody. You should try it sometime. Get your first line away from that Dano line. Dano is a premier defensive forward. I know McDavid played 25 minutes. I bet you 18 of them came versus Dano. I bet you because as soon as they saw 97 jump over the boards, if Dano wasn't on the ice, he was standing up. He was like, I'm gone. I'm out the door. The one goal McDavid got, Deneau was not on the ice. He dances around four guys, scores a beautiful goal. But it just, it's just, gosh. Yeah, the Oilers, they, they need to make adjustments. Smith played terrible. The third and fourth goal were just awful. I think he should have saved the Lemieux goal. Went right on the ice. Yes, there was some traffic, but this is the NHL, Smitty. We got to save that in the fourth goal. We all know. You know, you play with fire, you get burnt. That's what Mike Smith does. He could have alternately just threw a pass up the middle and it was a breakaway for somebody at Edmonton. You get what you get with Smith. But again, are we going to look back in this season? And I know I'm jumping ahead of myself. Are we going to look back after the first series, Edmonton's out, and we go, why the heck can't they get a goalie? We've been beating this horse to death for years now. And they still run it back. Let's let's run it back, baby, with a 40-year-old journeyman and a guy who's just Great for five games and dog poo for the next 10. Drives me. Who do they play next game? Koskinen or Smith, Tim? Who do they play? It's funny. I was going to ask you that. And our, our buddy Jay from our Friends of the Nation Network just tweeted out that, that you start Smith. You don't don't overthink it. Shouldn't be a debate. And come back and win this thing. I, it's the well, there's no is- debate. There shouldn't be a debate, Jay. There shouldn't be a debate because the goalie cost you the game. No debate, though. Let's just let Smith. Let's just let Smith take the net again. And cost us game two. And if we go get down two games going to LA Kings, you could put this baby to bed. We're not going to win this series. We're not going to win four 
out of five when three of them are in LA. No, no, there's no debate. No debate. We'll, we'll play Mike Smith because he's so, he has the resume of an Andre Vasilevsky. That's why, right? He's an Andre. He's a, he's a con Smythe winner. The guy's a stud. Mike Smith, he's won multiple Stanley Cups. No, he hasn't. He hasn't won Jack squat in the playoffs. And he just played terrible. But there's no debate, Jay. Oilers. That's the problem with Oilers. They're so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> but who do you start? You, you put Koskinen in? Yeah. Shake it up or at least have a talk about it. At least have a debate. It's not like you <laughs> won in going away fashion. You you lost four to three. And the reason you lost is because your goaltender turned it over in the end of the third for the fourth goal. And he let up a soft goal to tie, to, to give them the lead three to two. That's all I'm saying. Have a, have a, have a conversation. Yamamoto played great. I like the way he played. McDavid played great. Dryan Seidel played okay. It's not like they played a bad game. Their defense was horrendous, and their goaltender sucked. Bingo, bingo, bungo. Oilers in a nutshell for the last five years. Like It's just like Groundhog Day. Why did the Oilers lose? Goalie sucked. Defense was terrible. 2020, why did they lose? Goaltender sucked. Defense was terrible. 2019, why did they lose? Goaltender sucked. Defense was terrible. Goosh, goosh, goosh. I don't even have to rewrite anything. We can just release this episode next year. So you simple sound, with the Oilers. You sound surprised. Like, I don't – why are you so surprised about I this? want them to win, and the path is there. They just don't do it. It's so frustrating to me. Oh, all right, what else before I have an aneurysm? Are we moving on yet? All right. Yeah, let's talk about the last game. You know, this game, 4 nothing game. Not indicative of the game. I feel like it was a closer game than a 4 nothing game. It was a tale of the power play. You know, Minnesota, a team you would think would be, you know, structurally sound. That's been their MO for years. Their PK is garbage. 25th in the league, clipping along at 60, 76%. Atrocious. That's what lost in the game. You give up three power play goals to David Perron, all from the same spot. He scored all three of his goals within probably a four-foot diameter. He, it was just a shot, rebound, prawns there. Shot, rebound, prawns there. Shot, rebounds, prawns there. All three of those shots, they were shot passes. That person who shot that puck was not trying to score. Go back and watch those goals. That's a design play. They, they want to kick out a rebound either to prawn or someone else who's sitting in front. It's a great play by St. Louis, and they scored three power play goals because of it. And that was it. Other than that, it was a pretty pretty even game. Minnesota didn't get many chances. St. Louis didn't get many chances. It was tightly checked. Billy Hustle played fantastic. He was everything you wanted and more from a goaltender. He had a couple good, really good breakaway stops. He stopped Zooks. Minnesota hit a couple posts. You know, what are you going to do? That's puck luck. But for the most part, pretty good game from both teams. I'm, I'm not changing much of a Minnesota. If anything, I want my first and second line to maybe compete a little more. Kirill Kaprizov uh, didn't stand out at all. Minnesota's best line, which was their best line in last year's playoffs, was the Greenway, Erickson, Eck, and Felino. They had some pretty good chances. If they can bury one of those, it's a different game. You know, be better on the PK, Minnesota, and it's a different outcome. Other than that, the Blues played great. You know, they, they didn't overextend themselves. Their defense played strong. Parenko played good. Justin Falk played good. Everybody, as advertised, St. Louis is a very good hockey team. Billy Husso, check. He passed the test. I like him. Do you, again goaltender controversy? Do do you take Flurry out and put Cam Talbot in? That's the one adjustment Minnesota could make. Do they make that, Tim? 
I don't know. I mean, at one point you just mentioned like all those rebounds. Those are things that you'd want like to see him control. But I watched the first period of this game. I didn't watch the whole thing, but he looked pretty good. He moved really well. I saw that uh, that um, penalty shot, and he like no sniff. Like he just had like oh, yeah. complete control of that. And so he looked pretty good. I think you give him another shot because um, especially because he's been here before. So I don't think you mix that up yet. Because these guys, they're so evenly matched, like a 4 nothing game one, sure. But this is an evenly matched series. I think it has to go seven. I'd be shocked if it didn't. Did you see the uh, Spurgeon last night with the uh, cross-check? No, what happened? Um, there was a the, the, uh, Department of Player Safety is looking into it. So he, he cross-checked, uh, I want to say Barbashev. So Barbashev's on the ground, and he cross-checked both arms down on his leg like so egregious, so like not a hockey play whatsoever. He could potentially be suspended for that. Maybe it was Buchnevich, yeah. But yeah, not a not a good play from them. And then he also had Perron face washing, I want to say uh Hartman, I think, over the bench, like bending him over backwards, like his face is up in the air. Just some cheap plays from the blues. But that's what that's what they do. They get into your skin, both teams, and they they like to mix it up physically and get in your face and there's a reason that these teams have, are well, at least the Blues have, have found the success before. Yeah, that's how that's how Prawn plays. He's a dirtbag. Like he's a really good player, but he he crosses the line a lot. He gets under your skin. I don't think the Spurgeon is going to be a suspension. You know, he gets knocked down. They're fighting for the puck. He turns around and he just reacts. He gives him a little shot. And he does label him right across the the ankles. I, I don't think that's a suspension. You know, maybe a fine. But in the playoffs, you can't take out the other team's cap. And based on that, it, it wasn't egregious. I don't think it was that malicious it was a reactionary play he didn't just stop and meditate it was like oh you hit me i'm down cross check you should have gave it to him in the in the back that maybe would have been a little better but i don't see anything there and prawn he's just he's a prawn man he's just like a brad marchand they're similar type players but prawn's got a face that you just you just want to drive a hammer through it hey he's just he's just the worst and he's got the tinted visor you know, there's some guys who you just you just hate them, and he's one of them. And hate the strong hate each other too. Can't stand him. What's that? These teams hate each other too, which is going to be fun to watch. It's good. I hope this game, this series goes seven. I hope Minnesota has a bounce back. I think they do. Well, here's the thing. Here's the difference between Edmonton and Minnesota in the goaltending situation. Flurry does have the resume. He does have the pedigree. The guy's an Olympic champion. He's got multiple Stanley Cup rings. He's been there, done that. He's the Vesna winner. Smith does not. So there's more question marks surrounding Smith, even though they only lost four to three, than there is around Mark Andre Fleury, and he gave up four and a four nothing loss. It wouldn't surprise me if they go to Talbot because he is just as good and had a better season numbers wise compared to Mark Andre Fleury. So it would not surprise me if they change goaltending. And what? And what? A change from like ten years ago. After the first round, game one, you could potentially have three goaltending changes just like that in one game. You would be crazy if you were to say that 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you're going to ride one guy, ride or die, baby. That's the, He's my guy. He's my horse. He got me here. I'm going to ride him all the way until he's dead. Not anymore. Every team has a, a two-goaltender system. We'll see how it plans, pans out. You know, I, I don't know. I'm going to be excited to see what happens Wednesday. There's a lot, a, lot of goal, a lot of action, Tim. That's why we did an episode today. So we'll see. We'll you want to... Make our picks for tonight. Let's do it. You go first. Do we got to do ads every day? Go to DoorDash and then order some food. Points. Download DoorDash.com forward slash dropping the gloves. Hashtag promo code. 
Boom. Is that right? Tim, Tim nailed it. All right, we got the other four matchups tonight. Let's stay in the East Coast. Who do you who are you taking? This is a Penguins Rangers. Good matchup. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Rangers for game one. I just remember Jari's not playing. Uh it's tough, but I'll go with the Rangers game one. I think you're right. I think they're gonna have the youthful exuberance. They're gonna come out, they're gonna be excited. A lot of first time playoff action for some of these players. So I think they Madison's MSG packed house. I like the Rangers in this one. MSG is not a very intimidating place to play, by the way. You know, it gets the aura because of the Knicks and this, this, and that. To go in as an opposing player there, it's just, it's not much. It's not like other rinks where it's like loud and in your face and this and that. The Rangers, it's, it's for the most part quiet. It's very dark. They really do a good job of like just. I don't know how they do it. There's no lights on the fans at all. You can't see them. It's, it's very dark where the fans sit. So, all right, Capitals, Panthers. I'm going to take the Panthers in a big way. <laughs> like they're, they're, it's, I think this is going to be a blowout. I think Ovi's still hurt if he plays, which I expect him to do. I don't think he's going to be at 100%. I think the Panthers just take him behind the barn and just kick the snot out of him and send a message, and they beat him by five goals. Tim? Ekblad is back tonight, too. He's going to play officially. I so. forgot they had him. <laughs> oh, man. So good. So who yeah. do you take? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Panthers. Easy. All right. We got Preds, Abs. Who do you got game one? This one? I don't know. This one, I don't Ooh, know. This one? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, yeah. I, Avalanche. I'm just, I'm just going to take that team. Yeah. This the Avs need to win this one. This is a huge game for them. This is going to set the tone for the whole playoffs. I'm taking the Preds. I think it's too much for them. I think the moment's <laughs> too big for these guys. I know I'm which way the, you're going with that. I'm, I'm taking the Preds. I like the way the Preds play. I expect them to just carry over into the playoffs. If they can stay out of the box, that's going to be the big issue for the Predators. Most penalized team in the NHL this regular season. If they can play on the edge, but not go over the edge and take too many penalties. But who knows? We've seen a ton of penalties this, this uh, playoffs already in day one. But I'm taking the Preds. If they can, uh, with this caveat, three penalties or less. That's their over-under. If they hit four, ooh, I don't know, Colorado. Don't, you don't want to play with that power play too much. Like, it's you're playing with fire. Stars, Flames, Tim. Who are you taking? Calgary. You know who I'm taking. <laughs> yeah. Calgary. Calgary. This won't be, this will not be a route. It'll be a close game, but I, I feel like Calgary wins it. I, it's, I could totally see a 3 2 3 1 game, but the winner will be Calgary. All right, everybody, go place your points bet bets. We, I almost went four for four last night if it wasn't for the Western Conference games. <laughs> By the I way, like, my, my pick that I got overruled on was Matthews to score, Leafs win. And both of those came true. That parlay would have won some big money, but whatever. You never told me that. When did when when did you tell me that? You're not reading the email thread, man. Oh, I didn't. I didn't read that one. I just sent mine and said that's what we're going with. You know, my name's on the the title block, so I guess that's what that's what happens. You can do it tonight, Tim. You pick the bet. The fans want to know because uh, I am not reliable. All right, everybody, have a good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.